Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Welcome to the Wisconsin post-game edition of the Single High Notre Dame Football Podcast from UHND.com. I'm your host, one of your hosts, I should say, Frank Fatovich, uh, owner here of UHND.com, joined as always by the president of the Kyle Hamilton fan club himself, Mr. Greg Flamong. And Greg, uh, the uh, the demise of uh, Notre Dame football did not come as some had predicted. Not you and I, but some had, uh, you know, had predicted was uh, it didn't uh, didn't happen this weekend. I thought it was fun that um, Pete Sampson wrote a great article about Brian Kelly and how he how he wins because he's now the winningest coach um, in Notre Dame football history, and then picked them to lose to Graham Mertz. He did. He did do that. And, um, and it's not just him. I don't want to pick on him. A lot of people no. did. He um, did tweet. He did tweet later. I think I wish I wouldn't have done that before the game, which I saw a number of people actually who picked Wisconsin to win in preview articles later tweet. You know, I, I don't, I wish that wasn't my prediction. I was like, well, do you, do you, yeah, do, do your publishing systems not have edit buttons? Uh, well, not just that, but like, I mean, I don't, I wish I could have take backs. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, brilliant. Like, make a Priester, prediction. Make like a Tim, prediction and Tim Priester, like, well, I don't know, like Tim Priester, like he, he goes on a podcast and predicts Notre Dame to lose and then he does his article and predicts them to win. Hey. What are we, what are we doing here? Covering all, covering all bases, sir. But, uh, nah, man. But look, we, we we were listen, and that was the whole basis for the whole like Notre Dame doesn't. Brian Kelly does not lose to teams like Wisconsin and Graham Mertz. That's not how it works. And and if you're gonna beat Notre Dame, you got to be really good. And Wisconsin doesn't fall into that category. So we picked Notre Dame to win, and they did. And right. um, so. You know, onward, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it wasn't no, just no that. big surprise to us. It was not. Uh, it wasn't just that though. But you know, it wasn't just the like picking. Like, I mean, I've picked Notre Dame to lose occasionally on this site. It doesn't happen that often, but I, you know, but I have done it. It was just the the irrational, as you you used the great word, crowning of of Wisconsin last week. Uh, you know, leading up to that game. There's games where it makes sense. 
you know, to 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 pick with your head versus your heart and pick against the Irish. You know, if you're a Notre if you're a Notre Dame fan, you know, Georgia in 2019, uh, you know, comes to mind, right? That was a game that going in, there was nothing that logically told you Notre Dame would win that game. Notre Dame fan, you hoped it would happen, but logically you knew nothing that that uh, that, that probably wasn't gonna. It probably wasn't. It was more likely, I should say, for for Georgia to win that game, and they won a close game. This was not that. This was a this was a team that it it just it didn't they didn't look good, you know, uh, you know, coming they didn't look great coming in. They had a quarterback that had one really good debut against Illinois last year and hasn't done anything since. And there was some that were terrified that Notre Dame was going to lose this game, uh, like just all week. And hey, that that. If there was ever a 28-point game or a 28-point win that Notre Dame almost lost, though, I mean, that it sounds weird to say, but uh, I mean, that they, they could have lost that game the way that the the way the offense was playing, which we'll we'll get fully into. Um, they could have. Um, I mean, obviously they did not. And, you know, what counts, what counts is, you know, is the final result, unless it's the SP plus, and then I don't know what counts. Uh, but uh, other than that, um, <laughs> It, uh, it 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 was a weird, wild, wacky, crazy, 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 crazy game. Before we get too far, even though it is Sunday night, I'm keeping, I'm I'm bringing, uh, I, I'm keeping the beer in the in the pod. It's a it's a 10:30 ish start time here on the East Coast, but I got one for tonight. Uh, we'll see how this goes, but uh, I didn't get beer on the microphone this week. That's a plus. That's a positive, and I'm getting uh, congratulations. Hey, hey, yeah, I'm getting better at this. Um, this one is called, <laughs> again, the name's just more and more ridiculous. This one's called Wolf Pajamas. Um, it's a it's a 10% stout, so we'll see we'll see how this one uh, see how this one goes down. Ah, not bad, not bad, not a great. I'm not. It's not quite stout season yet. It's still a little too warm here on the East Coast, but. Uh, I mean that'll do the trick for uh, that'll do the trick for tonight to get us through the next hour or so. Well, and what a cra- just crazy game! Where do where do we begin on this one, Greg? Because there's about nine or ten things that we probably should talk about uh, that we saw on Saturday. Um, you know, but, you know, as we as we wind down Wisconsin before we even start talking about Cincinnati later later this week. But where where, where do you want to start? What what like just jumps out? the most to you in a game where a lot of things jumped out? Uh, I want to talk about the defense. Yes, let's do that. Because that's um, you know, let's start on the positive. The, the Marcus Freeman situation appears to be a positive for Notre Dame. It does. Um, they came out in a 4-4 front for a lot of this game mm-hmm. um, with Jordan Batelho as the extra linebacker. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, they shut things down. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much how it went. Patello um, was everywhere in that early part of that game. Uh, yeah, it, it was. I had a friend who like texted me. He's like, "Who is 12? And somebody who doesn't necessarily, you know, who's not as obsessed as all, you know, as all, as all of us. I was like, "Oh, you watch, you watch number 12. That is Jordan Patello. Um, so yeah, I mean, he that I don't know. I, I actually I don't have the the uh, the stat sheet right in front of me because I don't know if it actually came across in the stat sheet that he had a great game, but his presence was felt. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, a nice schematic touch. Uh, but Telho showed his versatility, right? So he can be a defensive end. He can be a linebacker. 
Um, they shut down the running game, which in turn put the game into Graham Mertz's hands, which <laughs> is uh, what you want, right? And, uh, and I, shouldn't so, laugh. I shouldn't laugh. You could laugh. I don't care. It's fine. I mean, no. look it. Look, yeah. he's he's doing quite well for himself, so you know it's true. That's it that's is, fine, and he probably true. doesn't listen to our podcast either. And no. if he does, I apologize for laughing, but I don't. Okay, I don't, you don't. No. Well, <laughs> so uh, you know, he put the game into Graham Mertz's hands, and then he put the game into our hands when he threw it to us. So, oh my gosh, so many times. Oh, right. Happens. So, um, yeah, and then you got you know you got Kyle. We talked about this when you got Kyle Hamilton who can just take away their tight end by himself. And then what do you have? So. What did um, they target? What did they target that kid one time? It, it was ironically, it was the first third down that they had of the game. They targeted Hamilton. And I actually I remember tweeting out. I'm like, well, I guess, you know, Paul Christ wasn't lying when he said they weren't going to shy away from him because the first third down they targeted him and then just not again, really, for the rest right. of the game. They were like, that was a bad that was a bad idea. He's probably I well, let's see. Ferguson had four. Four total targets, one catch, 11 yards. That's, you're going to live with that from their best receiver. Yeah. So it <laughs> uh, worked out. Um, everything was, you know, everything. I thought the plan was good, right? Yes. The plan is good. The execution was good. And I got to tell you, man, you know, our our dime defense is just, I love it so much. I can't even, mm-hmm. I can't even wait to, um to just see it against teams like USC and North Carolina and Ooh. Virginia who just want to be throwing it all the time. Yep. Especially now that again, now again, now you got Patello in the mix. Uh, it's, I mean, it, this is, uh, oh. now just think, just think, I don't want to bring it down, but just think if we had Marist out there in that package as well and what kind of crazy havoc, uh, you know, that defense would wreck, but mm-hmm. I mean, they were it, that was one of the you know most sound defensive performances I can remember in a lot of years at Notre Dame because uh, even and you know even you know Clark Lee's defenses were great uh, you know when he was here but they were great at you know, uh, you know just keeping the points off the board not letting teams uh, you know again not letting teams kind of just like have uh, you know march up and down uh, up and down the field. But they weren't ever really great at the big negative plays. And again, it's one game out of four. So right now, but I mean, it is, it, it's, you can have both is what, is what I learned, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from, from the, from this game is that you, you can have a defense that both keeps the points down and doesn't let a team march up and down the field who also takes the ball away at a ridiculous rate. Now it helps when you have a quarterback who is really trying to give you the ball. Um, but uh, in, in uh, you know, Graham Mertz, who threw more touchdown passes to Notre Dame linebackers than he has to his team this year. I'm sure everybody has seen that stat by now. It's just kind of ridiculous. But, man, yeah, that was – it was just – all levels of the defense played exceptionally well, too. The defense, The depth of the defensive line was evident from the very beginning – you Jacob Lacey coming up with that huge fourth down stop filling in for Kurt Heinish, you know, even though Gus Johnson called him uh, Jacoby Lacey, but uh, <laughs> you know, he had that, that from the beginning, he had that, you know, big stop. 
Cross uh, also played a lot more, you know, with with Heinish out, and uh, you know he had, uh, you know, he, yeah, he played well. Choose uh, the, uh, you know, the Anamiola twins uh, just continue to play great. Jason with the big strip sack, you know, at the, uh, you know, at the end of the game that Foskey then uh, then fell on, uh, which was a huge huge moment, uh, you know, in the game, uh, you know, for um, you know for no- for Notre Dame, but. You know the line was was absolutely you know, you know phenomenal all game long. Linebackers, you know, we knew this was probably going to be a linebacker game, and and it was. Uh, you know, all of the linebackers played uh, you know played really well. I was actually shocked though that I thought at least one of Bertrand or Drew White would reach double digits and tackles, um, and neither one did. But um, I mean they were they were great. Uh, again, yeah, two two linebackers with pick sixes. Then you got the entire secondary uh, who played, uh, you know, again, just out of their minds at times. Uh, you know, Cam Hart coming, you know, with the early pass interference and then bouncing back with two picks. Uh, and, I mean, that was all recognition, too. He knew exactly where that ball was going, and, uh, you know, he was there before the receiver. So all levels of the Notre Dame defense played very, very well from start to finish, um, again, it's uh, it's just one one of the most complete performances that we've seen from a Notre Dame defense in a very long time. There's there's like you, like, I, I mean, if anything, Marcus Freeman's going to have a hard time this week finding things to like, you know, preach, uh, you know, preach about, uh, you know, to uh, you know to to work on this week because everything that they did, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, worked. There was a couple breakdowns where. You know, there was the one I forgot the one uh, can't remember which Wisconsin receiver it was, though, who was, uh, you know, who was streaking down the field and Mertz just missed him uh, when we lucked out there at the end. I think that was at the end of the first half. But other than that, you know, it was uh, it was it was a top to bottom, just dominating performance by the Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame defense. Yeah. And I just want to, like, highlight Cam Hart. I mean, it's just phenomenal like mm-hmm. like even like he took a he took a weak pass interference penalty on the same play that he got the two picks on and yep. he didn't even like it just didn't phase him he just said i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing he took the pass interference penalty and then he immediately um he immediately you know got his interception and then it was yep. the same thing where he sat on an in route yep. he's basically in zero coverage because in the cover on one of them, there was a safety over top, but on another one, they had doubled the slots. They had doubled the tight end. They doubled the other receiver to the other side. He's basically in zero coverage, and and he jumps the in route just like he was probably coached to do, complete confidence, and he makes two huge plays. And, uh, you know, if it, he's new to the position, and he hasn't been playing it for very long. And uh, just a confidence builder for him. He has all the tools. I mean, this is like a this is a first round physical talent. You know, six two. I mean, look at it. he's six two and he can yeah. run and he can fly and he's yeah. physical and he's a good tackler. So if he gets it, you know, if he if he is able to come through, um, if he's able to take his game to the next level and play like this consistently, I mean, that's just that opens up a lot for this defense. Yeah. I, I, he, he definitely showed out, uh, against, uh, you know, against Wisconsin and has been, uh, one of the, I don't want to say surprises. Cause I think, you know, 
people expected him to, uh, you know, to play well this year, but he has been somebody who has really, uh, you know, elevated his, you know, elevated his game. And, you know, people, again, who don't follow it super, super closely, you know, probably does seem like a surprise because a lot of casual Notre Dame fans probably didn't know who Cam Hart was, uh, you know, prior to, uh, you know, prior to the Florida State game. But, you know, while we're talking about the defense, Greg, there's there was one aspect of the defense that I absolutely positively loved because it goes back to something I had sp- spoken about on previous pods. You made fun of me a little bit last week for it because uh, it was a uh, it, it was something that I had pointed out in the in the Purdue game. But every week we've had one drive by the defense where it was like right after the offense did something really positive and you're like, okay, if the defense just holds here, you know, it's, this game is, this game is going to be in a good spot. Um, and it was, you know, we didn't, didn't all, oh, didn't do that in the, in the first three weeks, this game, however, right after Chris Tyree took that touchdown, 96 yards, uh, you know, and, and conjured up all the memories of, uh, you know, of rocket Ishmael of a number 25, taking a, a kickoff, to the house, you know, the defense got the, or the, the defense was back on the field. It was only at that point, you're still in the fourth quarter. It was only a four point lead, you know, at, uh, you know, at that juncture, Notre Dame was at that point down to third quarterback. We know they were already on their third, uh, you know, their, their, their third left tackle. So that was a pretty critical juncture, uh, you know, in the game where if, you know, if Wisconsin scores on that drive, you know, say they, say they go up, you know, a touchdown, you're probably not getting another kick return for a touchdown. Uh, so, you know, the, the offense is going to uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, pressure on the uh, you know pressure on the offense. But that is not what the defense did. The defense came out uh, and in a three play drive, they ended up getting the sack on third down, uh, you know, by Adamiola that then, um, you know, that Foskey Foskey recovered, set Notre Dame up. Uh, you know, with uh, with a short field, and then Pine came in and you know let him down, let him down to the t- or, you know, let him uh, you know to the touchdown to make it a 24-13 uh, score, which was huge because we knew all along that if you if if Graham Mertz was going to have to beat Notre Dame, that if that was going to be if that was Wisconsin's only chance, that there was no chance because he probably wasn't going to be able. You know, to do it, and sure enough, once Notre Dame got that 11-point lead, you know, Wisconsin just really—I mean, they couldn't—they—they—they they, they could barely do, uh, you know, anything the rest of the game. And then it was, you know, missed field goal, interception, interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown, end of game. Uh, so that stop right there, in you know, in particular, was one that stood out to me because it's one showing the growth, uh, you know, of the. Growth of the defense, um, and you know, as they are, you know, starting to, yeah, I don't want to say master, but kind of uh, the, uh, the, you know, the Marcus Freeman defense. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, and, and look, we we've seen signs of it, right? Like we've we've we saw like the Purdue game was uh, phenomenal. Yep. Like you know, it's all coming together, and even the Toledo game, there were signs of it. Besides the explosives, and we just said, yep. if the explosives go away. This defense is really good, and they've taken away the explosives the last two weeks, and they've given up, you know, 13 points in both games. So, yes. Um, and then this one, they were plus 14, right? Yep. Um, so, it's just very, um, 
it's very good to see. It's very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it's, I mean, it's given us a glimpse again of what this team, you know, can be this year still. Um, and also, I mean, down the road, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, as, as well with, uh, you know, with this style of defense and the caliber of athlete that we know, you know, is, is, is coming in, uh, based on the, uh, you know, the recruiting classes that Notre Dame has been, um, Notre Dame has been, uh, been lining up specifically on the defensive, uh, you know, the defensive, uh, the defensive side, uh, of the, uh, you know, of the football here. So all in all, yeah, I mean, there is, I tried, like when I was trying to, when going through and doing my posts, I'm like, I honestly can't like really find anything, uh, you know, that the defense did, um, that, that is even, that was even worth mentioning in terms of like, uh, you know, well, they could have cleaned this up. There, there wasn't any of that. Uh, so, I mean, all in all, it was just, um, it was what, again, what, what you hope for when you're facing a team like Wisconsin that is relatively one dimensional, even though they thought they had, they thought they had their quarterback. And I, part of me does feel a little bit bad for Wisconsin fans. Now that again, you could feel bad for them now that we've beaten them down 41 to 13, uh, obviously wouldn't feel bad for them if we, you know, it was closer or we lost, but, um, you know, they thought they had their guy. Um, and you know, Notre Dame has, you know, we, we had Ian, you know, for the last three years and I, you know, just like Brian Kelly, all he did was win. Uh, but Notre Dame is still waiting for that next golden boy, uh, you know, to, you know, to, to come through, you know, to, to, to come through the door and, you know, be the Heisman trophy, you know, candidate winner, uh, have a, have a, have a Heisman, you know, cam, uh, campaign, uh, we just, we haven't had that in a long time. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't, you know, they thought they had their guy with, with Mertz. And I mean, it does, it does not look like it. Um, and granted it's a kid's 10th game. So obviously a lot of time left for, you know, for, for him to develop, but it almost feels, it, it, it almost feels just forced, you know, watching it as somebody, again, as an outside observer of Wisconsin, I don't, I don't watch Wisconsin football very often. Uh, I mean, I watched the Penn State game earlier this year because I knew we were going to be playing Wisconsin um, and we weren't playing that day. But, you know, it, it it just feels almost forced that they were like, OK, we finally got our highly rated, highly ranked uh, quarterback recruit. And this is it. This is, you know, we're 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 going to you know force it and see and, and, and he's going to be our guy. And it just doesn't. I mean, again, it, Things things can change, but I mean, based on what we saw on Saturday, I don't I don't know that uh, you know that too many Wisconsin fans are going to have you know have the the faith in him that they maybe had uh, you know at the uh, the start of the season. I do not feel bad for them. Um, <laughs> first of all, because who has ever felt bad for Notre Dame? No one ever. So True. there's that. Um, and second of all, you know. Josh at OFD went on their little podcast and said some true things about the situation like over the summer. And then they were very mean. Where were they? What did yeah, they, just, they were just, they just got all, they just got all into their feelings about, you know, he, all he said was, were the fans listening. The fans did. Yeah, okay. All, well, all, and all in the replies and all that stuff, because uh, all he said was that Notre Dame had a talent advantage, which they absolutely do. That's just a fact, right? Hundred percent. So, and they went off. So no, I don't feel bad, and I hope they're sad, and I hope, <laughs> and I hope that they. Uh, first of all, 
don't read the replies or the comments of any article because those places on any website, including ours, I know is just like a minefield of just just gross. So like, um, but uh, it, all right, I, I, I get it. Uh, I just meant I, I can feel some sort of sympathy in wanting so badly, you know, for that to, for that next, you know, kind of anointed one you know, to, you know, to, to come through the door considering how long, uh, you know, we've been, uh, we've been waiting for it. Uh, and maybe that's a good segue Greg, to, to the offensive side of the ball, because for as good as the Notre Dame defense looked, the Notre Dame offense looked equally as equally as concerning as the defense looked promising, uh, you know, kind of from, from start to finish. Did you think it was like that concerning? Yeah, I did it. We had 10 points uh, going into the fourth quarter. OK, ten, ten, 10 points that the offense scored. Any game where your defense and special teams outscore your offense is not. a. I mean, it's not a good scenario. And, the you know, the second touchdown that Notre Dame scored was from a, you know, a short field from the from the fumble recovery. So, yeah, I mean, I. I look at what we did offensively, and it it was it, very concerning to me. What is what is Penn State ranked? Uh, I don't know, four or five. Okay. How many points did they score against Wisconsin? Uh, they scored, I believe, 16 or 17 on Wisconsin. Six, 16. And okay. then our offense scored 20. Okay. So, like, so my point is, is, like, we, we knew – Going into the game, we're not going to put up a bunch of points against these guys. Like they're 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 really good. So like, eh. I, I'm not I'm not saying it was like a good performance. I'm just saying like it was expected. I maybe. expected it. I didn't what, expect what maybe. I didn't expect us to struggle to the extent at which the offense struggled. Uh, I, you look at the third, I wrote this actually in a, in a post that went live on Sunday night. Like if you look, look at the third quarter, specifically what we did on offense, three plays, negative one yards, punt, three plays, negative four yards, punt, six plays, 40 yards, punt, one play, negative 13 yards, fumble. That's four possessions in the third quarter. You have, I probably could have added that all up. You had a grand total of 20. 22 yards on four, you know, four possessions, three punts and a fumble. That is, I expected us to be able to move the ball at least at times. Uh, and we just, I guess that we, we, we struggled it, you know, more so than, again, more so than, than I thought we would. And even when we moved the ball, you know, that take the second drive, uh, 15 plays, 59 yards, got us zero points because Notre Dame, you know, Goes down the field. Jack Cohn is just distributing the ball, right? He hits Davis mm-hmm. on the seam. <clears throat> it was like, what was it? It was Davis on the seam for 20. And then it was like Austin for a little gain for a first down. Then he throws the back shoulder to Joe Wilkins for like another, I don't know, what was it? I think 16 to 20 yards. He's hitting Lindsay, you know, on the out for another, you know, it was like 16 or 18 yards. He hits Mayer for the first down. It's like, okay, this is what I expected. I expected us to be able to do this. Then you get first and goal and, you know, what uh, Reese calls for an unbalanced line 
brings in Joe Alt to overload the left side and then runs against it, uh, you know, runs to the opposite side, which I guess I could see some of the merit, <clears throat> you know, of like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put the unbalanced line. We're going to overload the left. We're going to get Wisconsin to over pursue the left and then hope to get Kyron, you know, maybe one-on-one with somebody. Uh, but instead we lost three yards on first down. Okay. Second down minus one, because we ran right into, uh, right into the defense with, with Chris Tyree third down cone, you know, turf monster gets him as he's like trying to maneuver, maneuver the pocket and then boom, miss field goal. Um, and that was just that kind, that was like a microcosm of the, of the offense, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, throughout, uh, throughout the day. And then we didn't get again, next play, next drive, three punts, three yards or three yards, three plays, three yards punt. Uh, and it just, it was, I, I, yeah, I expected a struggle. I didn't expect, or I, I didn't, I shouldn't say this early, a, a huge struggle. I, I expected it to be tough, but not, not to the point where it almost felt like, man, how are we going to, how are we going to manufacture points and yards in the, in the second half? And then luckily, you know, the defense and special teams spotted 21 in the fourth quarter and it didn't, it ultimately didn't, uh, didn't matter too much. I understand, but like it was twenty-seven to thirteen with like three minutes left. Like, and and this, like, and that was with one special mm-hmm. teams touchdown. You know, mm-hmm. so like, I, I, like, I, I guess, like, okay. Do you remember the 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 preview pod that we, not, like the preseason pod where we went through all the games? Yes. What did I? What do you remember? What I said about that? I am about now. the Wisconsin game. No, I'm having a hard time remembering what you said last so, Thursday. The <laughs> so I said that it was going to be 28, 24 Notre Dame. Okay. I said there was going to be two pick sixes, which we actually got. I, I, I just remembered this. So now I'm going to toot my own horn about it. Cause that's, this is a pretty good toot call away. actually. It, it was, I, it, I said it was going to be 28, 24 with two pick sixes. And that's exactly what happened. So, I, like, I, I expected it. Like, I expected you expected us to run for three yards. The three yards thing is like, I, I mean, I didn't expect See, it at the time, but I expect 50, it now. But here, here's the point. Ran. But here's the point, right? Twenty points is twenty points. The the yard thing, like the running game, has been a problem all season, right? Yeah. Is it is it surprising to me that? Is it surprising to me that Notre Dame couldn't run the ball against the defense that no one can run against? Like, no, of course not. We're not a good running team. So, like, I, to like for me, it's not like more any more concerning than like what I've seen against like Purdue or um, like Toledo or Florida State. We couldn't run the ball against any of those teams. So obviously we're not going to run the ball against Wisconsin. I'm certainly not going to be concerned about it because, like, of course not, right? No one can run the ball against Wisconsin. No one has. That's why we said it. Like, we we said it on the pod. Like, we said it on Thursday. Like, we're not going to be able to run the ball against this team. And But that's okay because we don't care about running the ball. And it didn't matter in the game because we hit the long play to Austin. We hit a bunch of big pass plays or or – big-ish pass plays, and then we scored on, on another pass. So we got the 14 points. We moved the ball down the field on on the opening part, throwing the ball, when we missed the field goal, right? Yeah. And that's obviously 
you know, that's obviously, um, you know, I, I didn't agree with the play calling. We can get into that later. Um, but we can talk about that now. That play calling was terrible. Well, here's why. Here's why I don't like it. Well, but let me finish the point. The point okay, is, finish the point. is that the point is is that they were susceptible to a certain thing, and that proved to be correct. Right, that proved to be the thing that undid them. It was our passing game. They gave stuff up throwing the ball, and that's how they got beat. Right, and that was before all the, all of the, uh, you know, pick six shenanigans. Right. So, in terms of like, in terms of, am I concerned? Like, am I more concerned about the offense? leaving this game than I am going into it. I am not, I have the same level of concern now, which is not that, (laughs) which is relatively high. Correct. I mean, not, not, I mean, it is, but at the same time, like we just played the best defense we're going to see. True. So I'll give you that. I mean, like in all the other games, like, I don't know. I'm I'm less concerned about. I, I mean, I don't know. I think I think Cincinnati's kind of a different animal, but right. Well, we'll talk we about we, that. We, yeah, we can get into since. Well, we're gonna talk for a whole podcast on Cincinnati later right. this week. But um, no, I I mean I I honestly left the game less optimistic. Or I mean I wasn't. I that's even. I should say more concerned because I wasn't optimistic that much at all about the offense. But I left this game more concerned about the Notre Dame offense because I'm not I guess this is a a good defense but I'm seeing the same mistakes that Notre Dame has been making all year and it's like there's not there's not a ton of signs that they're going to fix any of them um you know and before Cone went down with his injury it, it it was again it was another week where you had a combination of it was like when you know if the if the line was holding you know cone was rolling into the pressure at times um and then there were other times where the line just didn't hold you know at all because uh you know wisconsin's defensive front got through but it that i mean notre dame gave up six sacks in this football game they now have given up 21 sacks on the season that's a lot of that's a lot of sacks. It's not all on the offensive line. A lot of them are on are on the offensive line. It's that that, that yeah, like twenty one sacks is twenty one sacks. It, it it's, doesn't. It's concerning. It is, and six in this game was was concerning because, I mean, they kept Kyron in, uh, you know, and Tyree in when when they were in the game, you know, as extra blockers. Like they were not. I, I wrote this again in the same same article that I referenced before. They had a combined now I can't twenty or twenty one uh, receptions. The two of them in the first three games it was twenty one. They were averaging uh, the two of them combined seven receptions a game. They had one reception in this game, and w- for the most part, it was because they had to stay in and block. So it's like okay, well now we're we're leaving you know two of our best playmakers when they're in the game in the backfield to block because. Uh, you know, we we're getting we're giving up so many sacks and they still gave up six. You know, they're using Joe Alt as an extra blocker at times. And again, still not, you know, still giving still giving up pressures. Um, so that part that that's the part that I look at and I'm like, man, this is it. 
I can't remember. I mean, I don't remember. Maybe 2007 was this bad with the sacks. Um, Cause I think Michigan had like 47 sacks of Jimmy Clausen in that one, in that one ill-fated game, you know, in the big house in 27 or 2007 alone. But man, it is that, that was the part that got me where I'm like, oof, it is not showing any signs of, uh, it, not 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 really showing any signs of uh, you know of getting better. I will say though one thing that and it's a tiny tiny sample size, but I will say that when in the limited time that we saw Drew Pine in the game, he looked at least more comfortable in the pocket than Jack Cohn, which is surprising because you know Cohn is the fifth year senior, uh, Pine is the sophomore. And there, there was, uh, it, it was specifically on the one drive in the fourth quarter. Like there was one play where the pocket was just, it looked as you're watching the game, like that thing is collapsing around him. Like he's, he's about to go down and he just stood there and I don't even think he completed it, but I was like, damn, I'm like, that would have been a sack if, if Cone was in the game, because as soon as it feels like the, 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 the pocket starts to collapse, it's almost like Cone tries to maneuver in the pocket and because he's not that mobile half of the time he maneuvers like into the pressure. Whereas cone or uh, sorry, pine just, he stood in and I was like, it was like the first rep I think of his where, where I was like, Oh yeah, that was impressive. And it's odd, you know, again, for an incomplete pass to be the thing that makes you go like, that was, that was pretty good. But once we've seen what we have, you know, this year, it was, it stood out to me. Cause I was like, man, all right. You know, he's not the biggest guy. We know that. But he stood in there and he just it almost sense felt like he just had a better, you know, feel for the line and was like, no, I'm good. Um, and um, and just I don't know. It was again, though, it was what did he have eight attempts? So you're comparing eight attempts to 120 or 130, whatever, whatever pine. Uh, sorry, now I'm going to confuse the two. Whatever cone has, uh, you know, has, you know, has had this year. But what were your thoughts on, again, what we saw a little bit? You know what we just—the little small sample size of what we saw from uh, from Pine. Well, in the sample size, like you, you, you get to see, like you, what you say is true. Like he's moving around the pocket. Like there was one play where he scrambled around, he felt a little pressure, he moves over, and then he finds Avery Davis like across the field. Yeah. You, you can't help but think like this is probably going to be a sack if it's if it's, it's cone exactly, uh, and so. It, it just highlights just not for me, not so much. This is why like, I don't, I don't freak out about the line and I don't freak out about the number of sacks because the number of pressures that are coming aren't commensurate with the number of sacks we're, we're giving up basically. It is, right. And so for me, I, I just, I see that and I think something has to give here. Either Cone is going to get better or they're going to just – they're going to have to move on because yeah. it's just like some of these, and I posted one on Twitter. Like I saw it. it it's just he, he walks into a sack when we have players open. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was I, – I used that. By the way, if anyone's listening to this, read this article I wrote because this is the third time I'm referencing it now. It's, apparently, it's pretty good. Um, I used that <laughs> clip of yours that you posted. It's the one where Kyron slips out and is like, there's it's Kyron, one defender, and like 30 yards of green ahead of him. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. He's got, 
Yeah, he's got Kyron and I think maybe and I can't remember if it's Davis or Wilkins. It's Wilkins. Also coming across where you're like, but he never looked he like he never even looked to the left. And then it was like, yeah, it was it was not a it was any it was one play, but it's like I feel like we've seen that one play a number of times. And it was like even one of the first sacks of the game, right? I'm watching it and I'm like, they're coming. They are coming, right? You could see it. They they did not hide it. And it's like Cone just kind of like he just like kind of takes it right. It's like like I saw that like you know like they had more guys coming than we had blockers and um, and it was just I was like oh man you gotta you gotta see that coming and you gotta get that off like right away um, and that's the thing that I think is the most surprising to me is, with Cone so far is that I expected better pocket presence um, and awareness I guess given he's a fifth-year senior, and just what we've seen from him, you know, what we saw from some of his Wisconsin um, you know, his Wisconsin tape. Because uh, I think you even posted it early, uh, you know, right after he right after he uh, he transferred. I want to say it was maybe the Minnesota game that you posted clips from when he was at Wisconsin, where, like, it was almost like just, things are just, like, collapsing all around him, and he's just, like, hanging in there and just, like, firing it. And that's... And again, I don't know if maybe the injury is still like, is that playing any role? I doubt it, but it, it's it it has been one of the more surprising things with Jack Cohn because when he can sit back and 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 just sling it, like he has been good and he's had some really really good throws. The throw to Austin for a touch for the touchdown was beautiful, right? It was perfect throw. The back shoulder to Wilkins on that second drive was a great. I mean, it was a great throw because Wilkins wasn't like. Wilkins wasn't just like running open. Like he threw him open with a back shoulder that like you could tell, like I remember watching that. I'm like, Wilkins doesn't see this ball coming. And then all of a sudden he sees it at the last second and, and snares it, which was great. But um, so he makes those throws. This The throw to, to Davis down the seam right after taking a sack uh, again on that second drive was a, again, a great throw and, and just what, what he can do when he has time. But man, when he doesn't, it is, it is bad news when he doesn't have time and when he doesn't have a really clean pocket. And then even times when he's had a clean pocket, it's like he's felt pressure that wasn't necessarily there and uh, and ran into it. So it, it is a tough scenario, I think, that Notre Dame you know, is in right now. I mean, Brian Kelly came out right after the game. It was like, no, Jack Cohn is our quarterback. If he can play, he's going to play. At this point... You know, of this season, I I take absolutely nothing that Brian Kelly says about injuries, uh, you know, at their word following a game, because remember, we heard him say after the Florida State game that we avoided disaster with Blake Fisher. And, you know, they were that everything looked pretty good and it didn't seem too bad. And then we found out he was to be out, you know, eight weeks, um, which is, uh, you know, far from the, the tone that Kelly had uh, that uh, that Sunday night, you know, in Tallahassee. You know, we've heard the last two weeks, Carmody is a game time decision. He hasn't played either game. We heard Buckner, you know, was 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 topping out at his his high end GPS or you know his miles per hour, you know, last week, and then you know he wasn't uh, he wasn't available. So who knows, right? I mean, I again, no matter even what Kelly says tomorrow, unless unless Brian Kelly comes out tomorrow and says. 
Uh, Jack Cohn is fine. He is 100% starting. I know I'm going to have doubt as to the availability of any of the three or any of the, uh, you know, any of the two quarterbacks that have had health uh, question marks the last few weeks. Yeah. So two things. First, Brian Kelly is a liar. Um, <laughs> so he, he, um, and I should have, I should have stuck to my guns on the, um, on the, on the Buckner thing. You know, because look, if 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 you have an injury during the game and you're limping and you take yourself out of the game, like if you're limping, it's not tight. Something happened, right? Yeah. You don't limp on a tight tightness, right? Yeah. So there's that. And I should have and I and I told that to the OFD guys and the DMs, and I should have just stuck to it, but whatever's fine. Um, I don't know what what kelly's talking about with the soft tissue stuff like soft tissue kind of implies muscular yeah and it didn't look like a muscular injury he said it didn't act like a ankle like okay what was it like it looked like he twisted his ankle there's no reason for brian kelly this is again i've said it i've written it every time i write an an article about injuries like i put the huge asterisks and caveat and say this is not the nfl there is no benefit. There is nothing. Uh, there, there is no advantage to Brian Kelly telling the world anything remotely true about injuries. So that's why at this point, like, who knows? Right. Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, and I don't I think the only people that know are probably the athletic trainers at Notre Dame and the coaching staff knows, like, you know, what is the extent of Cone's injury? What is the extent of Buckner's injury? Um, I mean, I have to think like. I mean, Cone wanted to be in that game. You know it. I mean, it was his old school. Uh, you know, he came back out. You know, he tried. I forget. I saw. I can't remember who wrote or tweeted it or, you know, th- during the game that said, uh, I guess Cone, it might have actually been the Fox broadcast, said that Cone came out, took a couple warm-up throws, like tried to go through it, and then just like shook his head. Like, no, I can't. Um, and then went over and gave Pine like a pep talk. So, I mean, if it was bad enough for him to take, you know, for him to uh, to not come back in that game, it had to, not, like, I don't know, it, it, it seems like it, it, it might not be, you know, as, a, again, it might be, it might be more, I don't want to say like the Fisher scenario, because that was eight weeks, but um, more of Kelly just being like, no, it's fine. It's all good. Like, what are you guys talking about? You know, don't worry yeah. about this. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody, um, which, again, I think we'll probably find out who's healthy and who's starting, you know, Saturday at about, uh, I don't know. Well, if we win the toss, we'll find out at about what three or two thirty-seven, or whatever, you know, like whatever, uh, whatever the time, uh, however many minutes in that, uh, that NBC makes us, uh, makes us wait. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, let's say right now though, like you look at based on what you saw from, from Cone, We've now seen some some things from Buckner. We've seen some things from Pine. I mean, what what are your like? All if all three are healthy, what are you doing at quarterback? I mean, I, what am I doing? I don't not in practice. Here, I, I, let me tell you what I'm. <laughs> let, let me let me let me. Of course we're you, not, but we are. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I'm a little worried about uh-huh. with Comb. Uh, just what concerns me. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. It, it's it's one thing if it's the sacks, right? If it's just the sacks. The problem is, 
is that there are enough clean pockets that we are not capitalizing on that concerns me. Like you were talking about the clips I made of Cone at Wisconsin. Like, look, if I wanted to, right, I could make a bunch mm. of video clips of Cone making great throws for Notre Dame. You can. Because he's made them, right? And I said today, it's not like the guy hasn't done anything right or anything good. He absolutely has, okay? The the problem is, is that if, if you're going to be a mobile and you're going to not be very good in the pocket as far as dealing with pressure, then if you're clean, you got to be great. And we, and we talked about this in the preseason, you know, everyone was like, Oh, he's great from the pocket and he's got the big arm and he's got all these other things. And it's like, okay, well he has to, right. When everyone was saying like, Oh, thank God we don't have, you know, thank God we don't have Ian or whatever, you know, thank God he's gone. And it's like, uh, okay, like, I'm just like, be careful what you wish for. Right. Like you think everything's bad and, 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 it's not always as bad as you think, you know, and, yeah. and now we have this issue where Drew Pine scrambles out of the pocket one time and hits a, hits someone across the field. And it's like, Oh, that guy should start. Right. Like, like, you know, the, the sample size from Drew Pine is not, is not very big. And so like, I, he, he came in and, and did the things that you need to do, but, I don't know that Drew Pine is is at the level that you need to be at. Yeah. But that you know the thing I I said the thing that concerns me about Cone is that you know when he's at Wisconsin you're you're dropping back you know 30 times a game, right? Like yeah. 25, 26 times a game. Like you're just not I mean now he's dropping back like 40 something times a game. Mm-hmm. And that is you have a lot of responsibility now that you never had at Wisconsin. Right. And, and that's a, it's just different. You know, it's a different kind of thing where it's like, you have to be like great on every play. You know, you have to be, you have to be great on your game all the time. And it's like, is he ready for that? Is he that type of quarterback? We have, there was no evidence coming into this season that he's the type of guy where it's like, yeah, he can handle like being in shotgun and being like Joe Burrow or whatever, whatever quarterback you can think of where it's like, you know, is just the pocket passer, right? And the entire game is on his shoulders, you know? And we don't know that he can be that guy. And what I'm concerned about is over the last three games, okay, removing Florida State over the last three games, which includes Toledo and Purdue, right? Yeah. So it's not like they're all Wisconsin types, okay? He's a 55%. Yep. He's a 55% passer at 6.7 yards per attempt. Okay. That that is that's not gonna work. It's not ideal. It's not going to work based on his skill set when he's taken a bunch of sacks, right? And he's not – he can't run the zone read because yep. no one respects his ability to run, okay? So – and if you're not hitting the deep shots, for the season, he's 7 of 25, 20-plus 20 yards down the field, 
Okay. And even if you give them the lensy one, right, that's eight for 25. I'm around 30%. Like it cannot be that. It needs to be in the 40s. Yeah. So. So, well, you know what? We have a couple of questions that we got asked, Drake. And they okay. are very, they're related to what we're talking about. Um, because one thing that is also concerning to me about uh, Cone so far is I, I'm fairly certain there has been, no, wait, maybe the Florida State game he didn't attempt it, but. He's had Braden Lindsay open for long touchdowns. I'm pretty sure in every game. Um, and I, I can't remember if he attempted it. I think he did. He attempted one in the in the Florida State game, too. He has yet to connect with him. Now, granted, the Purdue game was you know on Lindsay because uh, he dropped it. But in the Wisconsin game alone, he had Lindsay three times downfield. And all three times, the ball was either late or it was underthrown. And it was enough to give the defensive back time to, you know, to recover and break it up. But those plays are there um, and we're not they're not being made, which is concerning because, again, too, that was, you know, to your point, that was supposed to be one of the trade offs of, you know, Ian couldn't make that throw. Right. Even though he did, um, you know, in the uh, in, in the past. But that was supposed to be, you know, part of the trade off. And I mean, good. Reese keeps calling them, which is good because they're there. But like, I mean, that's another thing where it's like sooner or later, one of those has to hit because if if he can't hit that, like, you know, you need a quarterback in there that's going to hit that play because Lindsey is getting open and Lindsey is not going to be your, you know, he's he's had a, a, you know, a few nice receptions this year, but he's not really going to be the chain mover type receiver. He's going to be the guy that gets those those type of balls. And when he gets open, you got to hit him. And it's not happening right now. So we had two questions though related to um, we're getting two two questions related to Cone. One is from uh, from Andrew Callen and wrote, uh, you know, per our previous thread, do my eyes betray me or does Cone look plenty strong and athletic while throwing or running straight ahead, but somehow immediately collapses into a heap from the slightest breeze or a nearby rusher if he hasn't pulled the trigger by the time um, he feels them? I mean, we kind of talked about this already, right? But what was interesting was there were, like, early in that game, there were two plays where Cone, uh, you know, evaded a rush and escaped and got, like, six, seven yards on them. And I was like, where where did that come from? Uh, because we hadn't seen that. And it was in the – I want to say that was in the second quarter. And I was like, oh, all right. Maybe he – you know, maybe he's just – he's getting more comfortable. And then that went, that went away quick. But um, – it does. I mean, yeah, we, we, yeah, we probably talked about that already, but it does, it does feel like that. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think you, your eyes are betraying you, uh, you know, Andrew, it, uh, it does kind of feel that way. Um, and I don't know, maybe some of it's just familiarity with the offensive line. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's not an ideal, um, you know, situation. And then, um, you know, Clancy, uh, the Notre Dame leprechaun at UND underscore Clancy actually mentioned the missed deep shots. He says, missed a couple of deep shots against Wisconsin. I feel like we were super close to getting that deep ball to Lindsay. I know we don't have a great rushing attack yet, but do you think Notre Dame can find a way to get to 40 points a game at some point this season on offense consistently? I think that is uh, a tall, uh, a tall task. Um and I mean, technically, they scored 40 points 
uh, you know, in two of the four games, uh, two of the four games already, but then the other two, they averaged right around, uh, right around 30. So what does that work out to per game? I didn't look it up. What do we have a 35 a game? Yeah. So 35 a game, I mean, but 35 a game also in one of those games you were aided by 21 non, uh, you know, 20, 21 points, you know, from your defense and special teams. Uh, unless we see some sort of significant change, I don't know. I mean, 40 points a game would be a, you know, it would be a Brian Kelly record at Notre Dame. And it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Uh, unless we see some change, um, because we're still missing the, we are still missing the deep shots and you can't, you're not going to score 40 a game by hitting two or three of those a game and relying on your defense to hold the other team under 20. Not to say we're not going to win a lot of games doing that, but I don't know about scoring 40 points a game the rest of the way. Um, I'm just looking at, you know, looking at some of the defenses since he's got a pretty good defense, Virginia tech, uh, Virginia Tech's got a per like a, a I mean again they they're the teams they played are not the greatest so it's tough to tell what uh, you know what they'll be able to do defensively. SC could be in full give up mode by the time that game comes around based on what they looked like last weekend. Would they just give up to Oregon State forty eight or something right? Some forty five. Forty five to Oregon State. So I mean could put up points in that one. UNC's defense doesn't look great. Navy you know we should be able to. To score on UVA, Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia Tech's been holding some teams, uh, uh, you know, under uh, you know under their totals. So I don't know. Uh, what, what do you, what do you say? Well, it, it's not it, like the defenses are kind of irrelevant, right? Like we 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 put up thirty two and uh, twenty seven against Purdue, yeah. you know, and, and Toledo. So like the the defenses aren't the the the, the offense is not shown any sort of consistency yep at all right and yeah so i could it happen like, you know maybe right i don't yeah. know like i, I don't like, think so i mean i you know sometimes some like i said some sometimes something doesn't work until it works right and maybe there's a maybe there's a quarterback change or maybe there's a flip in some manner that works out and and things just kind of switch i don't know but right now like there's no reason to think that's going to happen Yep. Um, I, something came up and I do want to mention it about the running game is that yeah. if you go back and look when Notre Dame goes double tight ends and all those things, the defense is still responding to that. They are Notre Dame is running into, into, um, a numbers disadvantage still, which means they're getting the coverages that they want outside. Right. So like when Notre Dame plays USC, right. And we dare them to run teams are not daring us to run right now. Yeah. If, if we go double tight, then they're putting people in the box, right. Go back and look, Wisconsin regularly has eight in the box, seven, seven against six, eight against seven, right. Six against five, right. They're always, they're playing it straight. So the, 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 the fact of the matter is the running game is, is hurting us right now, but it's not the teams are still respecting the fact that like, Hey, we're not just going to leave our, we're not going to leave ourselves vulnerable to the run in order to defend the pass. And the reason for that is the pass isn't good enough for that. Right. Yeah. Once the pass 
the, the passing game needs to be more efficient and more explosive. Then you have to drop safeties. You can't bring a safety down. You can't do that. You got to bring people outside, right? And that's when the running game opens up. The passing game has to aid the running game this year instead of the other way around. Hmm. And right now it's not happening. So, you know, one has to fix the other. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I do not think it's going to be the running game that fixes the passing game because it's kind of already doing that. The running game is bad on its own, but it's not happening at the expense of the passing game. The passing game has to work right now because yeah. they are getting what they want. I agree. We'll see if they can make that change. Some of that could be play calling, uh, you know, on Reese. Some of that could be, I mean, I don't know. You don't see Cone changing the play at the line too much either. Um, I don't know if that's something that they're not, you know, and again, I mean, maybe that's also a lot to ask for somebody that, um, you know, hasn't been there that long, uh, cause he only came in in the, uh, you know, in, in, in the spring, but you see a lot of looking at the line of, or a lot of looking back to the, uh, to the sideline right now of, uh, you know, do they want to change plays and, uh, and, uh, and, and whatnot. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I, I, <laughs> It's unfortunate because this is like the one year where we have all of the weapons capable of develop of delivering a 40 plus point per game offense. And I just don't know that the rest of the the rest of the unit will come together in order for, uh, you know, for that to happen. But I got some other questions. One one's a little lighthearted. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, it's, it's directed to you, Greg. Um, OK. Austin uh, Austin Bradley here. He asked, "Did Cam Hart being the best uh, DB on the field hurt Greg's feelings?" <laughs> no. Why would I hurt my feelings? <laughs> uh, come on, it was pretty funny though. Um, it's funny because your uh, you know your your love for Kyle is just so so well known. And, yeah. Um, but and even still, I mean, Kyle, it's not like Kyle was bad. Kyle was quiet because he uh, he erased their best receiver. So that was a good Listen, game. if you outplay Kyle in a game, you did what Cam Hart did. And yeah. so I welcome it. Right. Mm. No, nah, man. No, no shade. We're, we're, I'm, <laughs> we're, I'm happy to see it. And I said, look, I said on uh, on uh, Chris Wilson's uh, The Rakes Report, I, I went on there and I said the second best DB on this team is going to be Cam Hart. And you did. You it looks good. It. it looks good at the moment. So it does look like a good. Nah, I want. I want to keep seeing it. Love it. Love it. Well, we've won. The only other one I'm seeing here, I think that we haven't asked yet, uh, is more of a Cincinnati specific one. But it is a very interesting question. We'll probably maybe not dive into it too deep now, but talk about it more on Thursday or mm-hmm. Wednesday, or maybe if we record Wednesday this week, we'll see what days we can do. Um, it it uh, this is from Drew Brennan um, at Drew Brennan seventy seven here says who is at more of an advantage this weekend Freeman knowing the Cincy offense or Cincy knowing the Freeman defense which is a pretty interesting uh, again it's an interesting uh, scenario uh, that we are that we're dealing with uh, you know in this uh, you know this this coming weekend and I think it's a very good question I don't know do you want to maybe give some very high level thoughts now we could dive deeper into it uh, on the the Cincy preview my first reaction is Freeman has the better advantage. I would think so too, because the defense at Cincy, while Freeman was a 
was the coordinator was still also very much influenced by Fickle. So Freeman probably wasn't able to do everything that he wanted to. I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't know what their dynamic was. Um, but I mean, Fickle was a defensive minded head coach, um, you know, and he came, you know, when, when, when he came to Cincy. So it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, there's there's things that Freeman wanted to do at, uh, you know, at Cincy that Fickle said no to that Brian Kelly has said yes to because, uh, you know, Kelly is uh, not uh, not the, you know, the, the defensive mind that, uh, you know, that Fickle is. So we can talk about that a little bit more on uh, on Thursday. Another one we had. So I said in my question, um, I said, hey, you know, which uh, which uh, Wisconsin third down conversion uh, was your was your favorite was already on our list and which interception was already on uh, which just overall interception by Graham Mertz um, was already on our list of questions. So don't send those. So Nick here um, at Big Bake NDFI says, which Graham Mertz interception to Cam Hart? was your favorite um so he found a caveat there um but of of gray of uh of cam's two interceptions which did you uh which did you like more they were i mean they were both the same play they were they were so like literally they were the same play so i'll say i'll say um i like i'll the say second. i'll say the well, i i was gonna say i like the first one all right, good all right you say why you like the first i'll say well just like because it was it was it was it was three three at the time Okay. And then they uh, they went down and scored. So so, so I like the second because it was the nail. It was the like okay, you know what? This was a this was a uh, anxiety producing game for you know uh, fifty some minutes, and then that when that when he inter- when Cam intercepted that ball when Notre Dame was up, uh, we were we were up twenty. That was when we were up twenty four to thirteen, right? And then Notre Dame got the uh, the field goal following. Uh, you know, following that interception, it was like, okay, we can all breathe. Because you know why? Because Graham Mertz ain't throwing two touchdowns in the final six minutes or whatever it was. Uh, you know what? He did. He did throw two interceptions or three touchdowns. He threw two touchdowns in the final six minutes. It was just two or guys, not to, uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, to his own players. But um, that was a good one. Nice, uh, nice way to find the, uh, the, you know, the loophole. In the questions, but speaking of field goals, man, how about Jonathan Doerr's fifty-one yarder? It's like I tweeted, man. The I saw kid, it. he uh, he he makes the most beautiful kicks you've ever seen, and he has the ugliest misses you've ever seen too. So it's just it's just a roller coaster of emotions with him. Dude, he gets his money's worth on his misses, man. Right? It's like he's like, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna sneak this one up. I'm gonna, it's gonna be like thirty feet to the left or thirty feet to the right. Um, it is. It is interesting. You know what? There's got to be, um, and I mean, who knows if if, uh, if Polian's the one to unlock this? But I mean, there's got to be something that is that causes it to be like just so perfect or so far off uh, that if he ever, if he ever, uh, you know, figures that out, then that kid's gonna gonna that that leg is gonna make him a lot of money in the uh, in the NFL if he could get rid of those. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Because he wasn't. He missed a 38-yarder, and then he nails the 51-yarder. I was like, wow, okay. Um, I have no idea. Like, anytime he lines up, I'm like, yeah, I just don't – I think it's going to be good, but I don't I don't quite know. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was a good game for kickers. Uh, you know, Bramlett, what do you have, the 72-yarder, which was the longest um, – it was the longest punt 
by a Notre Dame player since Hunter Smith in 1998. I saw that uh, sent out by the Notre Dame uh, stats department on Twitter, mm-hmm. which is crazy, man. Remember, man, it's bad that like back in the late 90s, again for you, for the younger folk listening who didn't, where we weren't, who don't remember all the games from the late 90s. It's wild, but in the late 90s, like Hunter Smith was like one of our best weapons back then because the offense was so bad that uh, that Hunter Smith was uh, was a bona fide weapon. Although, man, he he went on to even have a pretty good NFL career, too. That guy was a damn good punter. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a good game from Bramlett. He did have the one that was like a 34-yarder or something like that early on that was like – he's kind of like Dor in that regard, too, where every now and then he has one that you're like, nope. That wasn't ideal. Um, <laughs> luckily, that one didn't uh, that didn't that didn't hurt us as much. But I mean, in general, special teams special teams had themselves a day had themselves a day, and we we did not talk about the Chris Tyree touchdown uh, nearly enough because that thing was just it was pretty it was pretty, and it was like watching it unfold. You're like, I like watching it because again because of the angle that he was coming, I was like, there is a lane. But will it hold? Right? Is that is he going to be able to hit this lane? Because um, you know, is it going to close in the amount? And then no, he just went, he went right through that thing. And man, it's crazy that that was our first kickoff return for a touchdown in five years. I remember was so again. Friends asked like, when was the last time we did that? Like friends texted, and I nailed it that it was CJ uh, CJ Sanders, but I had the wrong game. Uh, I, I forgot that he did. He had the one against Army. Yeah, that's right. I was. I thought. I. I. My first thought was the Stanford one that Gus also called, right after Stanford, uh, right after Stanford came down, scored the the, the opening touchdown in uh, in fifteen, and then kicked off, and Sanders just took it the uh, took it the distance. But um, hey, some days you need all three units, uh, you know, scoring points to win. That's what we needed on Saturday, and overall, I think you know coming out of this game. It's wild because we're four games into this season now, and it's like it's still it, it's still if nah, I don't want to say iffy, but it's like this this the the floor and ceiling for this team is still very varied. It's it's still pretty. There's a pretty wide gap in what the floor and the ceiling are. I think at this point because you still got you still got the questions on the offensive line, and now I think we got to add in questions at quarterback because. I mean, well, who knows? I mean, we might see Pine this weekend if, uh, you know, if uh, if if Cone can't play. We don't know. Um, we'll see. Like I said, and who knows? Unless Brian Kelly comes out on Monday and says 100% Jack Cone is playing, I, I will probably be skeptical throughout the week, <laughs> just yeah. based on based on all of you know the the, the injury news that we've seen, uh, that we've seen, uh, you know, this, um, you know, this season, but I mean, Hey, while that might still be in question, it's pretty, it's pretty nice to be sitting here at four and oh, cause you know who would like to be four and oh right now, Greg Dabo yeah. Sweeney, Dabo, Sweeney. <laughs> Dabo would love to be four and oh right now. Um, but seeing him look like lost, at two and two was just it, it was like it like warms the soul to see it like because he's just he's a little cocky and i mean i don't like clemson even a little bit so you know they're a team that i would never say i feel sorry for um wisconsin i could say that for they're not winning titles clemson's winning titles i i don't i don't feel sorry at all for them i love to see them lose 
Um, and to, so to see them lose to an unranked team was, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was lovely, uh, you know, to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, to see that happen because I mean, they're going to lose. They probably are going to lose again. Cause I mean, they almost lost to Georgia tech. They lost now to NC state. I mean, at this point you got to wonder, like, it's crazy how fast they fell just by losing, you know, Trevor Lawrence and some of the, uh, some of the other players that they, uh, you know, that they, that they lost. It's uh, it is pretty wild. So I don't know, you know, four and is pretty cool. I like it. And what about you? You like being four and oh, Greg? I don't dislike being four and oh. No, no, it's man, it's weird because it's like some Notre Dame fans like I feel like do. They're like, oh, whatever, like it's coming. It's like, shut up, right? It's like, okay, maybe a loss is coming, but until it comes, let's enjoy this. Um, you know, like looking at some of the comments on some of the articles on UHND and looking at the forums where people are like, we're just in a bad, like there were some people who were in a, like, I don't want to say in bad mood, but who were just like, well, yeah, be be happy all you want about that, but that's not going to get it done. It's like, we just won 41 to 13, right? I don't care if Wisconsin's not as good as maybe, you know, maybe their ranking suggested or maybe the odds makers led us to believe or the, you know, the beat led us to believe throughout last week. I'm going to enjoy a 41 to 13, you know, beatdown of a Big Ten team. Yeah. oh man it was fun i say that was it's i asked on twitter i was like man i can't remember a game though where the fourth quarter was that insane and a couple people brought up a you know a few so you know some people said uh you know oklahoma 2012 which you know to an extent kind of played out that way where it was close, and then Notre Dame scored, uh, you know, a couple late touchdowns. You know, partly again thanks to the Manti Teo interception, which, yeah, I, that 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 one's close. But that was also a game that, it, like, we almost always felt like we were in control. Um, whereas this game was one where it it felt like it was slipping away, right? It all of a sudden, you know, we it felt like we were in control all game, and then all of a sudden it's thirteen ten. And we're down to the third string quarterback, and you're like, oh man, this doesn't this like on paper, this looks bad, right? That that that's yeah. how it um so that one was one. Somebody else brought up probably a more, uh, I think, apropos uh, you know, comparison of 2006 Michigan State. And it was a very dead that was that was a very different type of fourth quarter because that required a crazy, ridiculous comeback. Yeah. But at least it was on the level of just madness in the fourth quarter because that fourth quarter was insane too. You had the the Lambert inter- the the Lambert pick six, and then the uh, you know the Lambert interception with the ball on the back. Was it was I can't remember now. Was it on the back of the guy's legs or something? And Lambert just grabbed it, and uh-huh. that, that was how the game ended. Um, so that was probably. I mean, that was a bananas fourth quarter in general of uh, just like just pure anarchy going on for, uh, you know, for 15 minutes. But I don't know. Any other like crazy, ridiculous fourth quarters that came to your mind that, uh, you know, that this game reminded you of or just wild endings where you were just like, whew, that escalated. That escalated fast. Uh, I would I I was my first thought was the Oklahoma game because that was 13, 13 in the Mm -hmm. fourth quarter. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. So very close, uh, even in the score. And then was that the final was 31 13? 30, yeah. There, I was 30. Uh, all right. mm-hmm. And uh, Theo added his late, uh, his late heroics. Man, that was a, uh, that was a good game. That was, uh, you know, but uh, Notre Dame doesn't win tough, tough games on the road at night, right? No. Granted, that was nine years ago at this point, but hey. <laughs> ah, but hey, like I said, we're here. We are. Notre Dame is four zero, and the beauty of all of this is everything is left to play for in front of this team. Uh, you know, there's flaws. Some of them may prove to be fatal, you know, for this team, but they haven't been yet. There's a lot of teams right now that would love to be 4-0, sitting at number nine, hosting the number seven team in the country this weekend um, with a chance to, you know, have another uh, have another good win. And we're going to we're going to break down Cincinnati a lot later this week. Um, They pose a whole different array of challenges as, uh, you know, as was Wisconsin did. But we live to fight another day, Greg. I'm ready to go. You are. Let's get to five and zero. Oh. Yeah, let's get to I'm five down. and zero. Oh. I would like and to be five uh, and zero. Oh. Yeah. When we're see, it's going to be. I kind of feel like this is going to be another week where we're told all week how how good Cincinnati is and how unwinnable this game is by a lot of people. I got a feeling a lot of people are going to be saying it. Many people are going to be saying, uh, "I think Cincinnati is going to win this week," but um, I don't know. My level of uh, my level of knowledge and my level of just hatred for Cincinnati is just not not quite there yet to dive into it. But by Thursday or, again, maybe Wednesday, if we record on Wednesday night this week, um, if we can, might be ideal. But uh, it's going to get there. It's going to get there. Um, hey, we got uh, we got a top 10 showdown in South Bend this weekend. Um, so there's going to be a lot to a lot to unpack um, anything we haven't, I'm trying to think if there's anything we have not covered on this Wisconsin game because there was so much. I mean, we talked about Cam Hart. We talked about Tyree. We talked about the defensive line. We talked about the not so good stuff on offense. I can't think of anything else that I, that is worth mentioning. What about I think you? we, I think we covered the bases. I, I think, think we're we, all set. I think we did too. So I think with that, we put a bow on this one. We tie, we, uh, Tie it up. We say uh, we say good night, good morning to uh, you know to to everybody. I just did a little check. No reviews, no reviews to read. So if you all would be so kind, leave us some reviews. We uh, we will read them if there if there's any new ones by uh, you know by again by later this week when we uh, when we record uh, the Cincinnati podcast. But uh, that's gonna be a fun one. I know I got to do a little bit more research on uh, on the Bearcats, but. Uh, other than that, man, hey, like I said, it is awesome being 4-0. Enjoy it, everybody. And hey, you know what? We didn't really tip the cap to Brian Kelly that much on this uh, on this podcast, but we probably should have. But uh, 106 wins is pretty awesome. I know at the end of the 2016 season, many of us did not think this would ever be possible. Those of us who maybe wrote articles saying that uh, it was time for a change, thinking of myself in that <laughs> when I say that as having uh, having written some that said it was time for a change. But congratulations to Brian Kelly. Um, and I mean, like I said, the transformation that this program has gone under since that 2016 season is just absolutely 
Remarkable. And congrats to Brian Kelly for getting a personal foul for standing up for Kyle Hamilton when he allegedly took a couple cheap shots from Wisconsin. Still haven't seen the tape. Just going based on what has been uh, sent out in, in the Twitter sphere by those who were at the game. But uh, uh, I I couldn't see. I mean, again, they didn't show it you know, on TV. I haven't seen any footage of it, but allegedly... BK was uh, was standing up for his players and was uh, was freaking out because uh, you know Kyle took uh, took a cheap shot or two that did not uh, that did not get flagged. So good on BK for uh, for having his players back there. Absolutely, absolutely. Take that penalty. Love to see it. Love to see it, especially because we were winning pretty good by then. So I was like, all right, uh, I think we were anyway. But. Also saw a tweet that uh, that Hamilton uh, might have gotten uh, might have gotten a nice laugh at the Wisconsin sideline on one of those pick sixes uh, when uh, at uh, at the at the end of the game. So love to see it too. Love to see that. Love to see the the tweets that Notre Dame was blasting jump around in the locker room after you know after after the game too. So all in all so many good things that uh, that happened this weekend there were some things again we went over them that weren't great they're going to work on them we're going to see if we can uh, we get by this weekend again with uh, with some of those uh, some of those shortcomings that uh, that this team needs to uh, to work on but always much more fun to work on those things when you're undefeated when you're in the top 10 and again like i said everything left uh, you know for this team uh, Everything left for this team to play for. So with that, oh, did you have? No, you're good. No, okay, okay. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say goodnight to everybody, but I thought (laughs) I didn't know. I thought maybe you wanted to add something in there, but uh, all right, everybody. As always, thanks for listening. Subscribe to us, download us on uh, you know on Apple and Spotify, everywhere else. Leave us those reviews. We love to read them. Uh, We love to see the uh, the you know the uh, the the feedback coming in, and we're gonna be back at you. Yeah, later this week we're going to break down the Cincinnati game as the Irish try to improve to five and zero on the season and keep this uh, keep the undefeated mark going. So with that, good night, and as always, go Irish. 